You're listening to Nest Talk, the best and most elite Baltimore Ravens podcast on the internet. Now, here's your host, Christopher Linfont. Ladies and gentlemen of the Ravens flock, my name is Christopher Linfont, bringing you another edition of the Nest Talk podcast, the best and most elite Baltimore Ravens podcast on the internet. Today we have a great show ahead for you. Um, I know there's no Ravens football, there's no Ravens football to recap, no Ravens football to look ahead to, um, other than the 12 players playing in the Pro Bowl, but we do have some news we have to talk about. Um, Really not so much Ravens news, but some NFL news, some intrigue about the Baltimore Ravens offseason, some potential draft prospects, and more coming up in this hour-long show. Um, But first, of course, we want to do some housekeeping. Um, First announcement, I want to let everyone know that we have... A special guest coming in next week to do the show with us, co-host the show. Um, so stay tuned for that. Um, we're working out a time when we can we can uh, record that episode. So it's not official yet, but it's almost certainly going to happen. And I'll let you guys know when that's um, called official. Now, also, if you are listening on iTunes, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. If you are listening on Spotify, follow the podcast on Spotify. If you're listening on YouTube, uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. Hit the notification bell. Um, make sure you get all the latest episodes that way. You can find us also on Anchor.fm. Search up the Baltimore Feather Podcast. We're on many other platforms. If you go to the um, if you go to BaltimoreFeather.com/podcast, which is what I just said to look on Anchor FM about, which actually you should look up Nest Talk on Anchor FM. Um, but if you go to BaltimoreFeather.com/podcast. Um, you will see all the platforms we are listed on, Overcast, Radio Public. So if you have a different preferred platform, subscribe to that one and you will get the latest Nest Talk episode in um, your feed every single week, every single Friday. Uh, we're going to stay Friday. Although I am thinking about moving the recording session to Thursdays, we can publish early on Friday morning. So it comes out earlier. I'm thinking about that. Not sure what we're going to do yet, but that is something I am considering just so you guys know. Um Make sure you subscribe. Uh, sorry. Make sure you follow us on Twitter as well. You can find us at Nest Talk and at Be More Feather. You can find me personally at Chris Linfont on Twitter. Um, what else? Like us on Facebook. Follow. I'm um, sorry. Like us on Facebook. Search up the Baltimore Feather or Nest Talk on Facebook. You'll find us there. Um, so if you are looking for to get it in your Facebook feed, that's where you can find it there. Let's see. Um, Go to BaltimoreFeather.com, subscribe to the email newsletter. That way, every single Ravens article that's published will be in your inbox. And, of course, every single Nest Talk episode that comes out will also be in your inbox. So um, you do that, and you're pretty much set. So that's all the housekeeping we have this week. And before we jump really into some Ravens news, I have to talk about a developing story in the National Football League. And by developing, I mean it's been slowly developing. For the past, I don't know, however long. But, you know, Antonio Brown, the never-ending saga for the National Football League here. Maybe one of the worst PR stories I think they've had in a very long time. Um, you know, there's there's other PR stories. Obviously, I know you probably are thinking of some based on some documentaries that have come out recently on Netflix. But, you know, um, you know he, he had not done any crimes up until this point that we knew of. Um... You know, we just knew he was pretty much a, nut, a nutcase at this point. Um, someone who definitely is not mentally all there, whether or not it's the side effect of CTE, which is being discussed in, in a lot of circles right now, um, and has been really ever since he started acting up. You know, I don't know. I think he, he really, you know, you, 
it, it's really, a, a, you know, I wouldn't say it's a cop-out to, to blame it on CTE. I, I would imagine that a CTE situation for Antonio Brown, a CTE condition, um, for those that don't know, by the way, CTE um, is a um, brain condition, a, de a degenerative brain condition that, that occurs um, after repeated trauma to the head. So it's very, not so much common in football players, I'm not sure that's the right word, but that's probably where you're going to find it out of most people who have it. It's probably going to be professional football players. Um, Junior Seau had it, um, who unfortunately took his own life at one point. Um, Aaron Hernandez, who I was referring to with the Netflix documentary, had a bad case of it. Uh, does not excuse their actions. Obviously, people make their own decisions, but you know your decision making is impaired. You're more prone to different outbursts of, of um, negative energy, let's say. So there's a lot of questions of whether or not Antonio Brown has something like CTE. But unfortunately, you cannot diagnose CTE unless you open the brain up, and you have to be dead to do that. So you know we're not going to know whether or not Antonio Brown has CTE. CTE, presumably for a very long time. Now, if he has another condition, I'm not sure. Um, and this is all speculation. It's, it's, you know, it's not something I would like to do, but at this point, based on the new news we have, we have to speculate that he is not mentally all there. And I know he's always been a bit of an egotist, and, and it, if it's CTE, it's, it's definitely expanding that, so you can't blame it all on, on the um, any mental condition he has at this point. But, you know... Antonio Brown, just to, to get into this news story here, um, for those of you that don't know the background here, um, a couple weeks ago, Antonio Brown was at his house when the cops showed up. I don't know exactly what was going on with the story because he, we only really know enough about it because he posted it on his Instagram Live and he was essentially yelling at the cops and, repeat, and saying words I cannot repeat um, on the podcast. I think they were putting children in the back seat, maybe his children. I really don't know the full story there. It, I mean, you can't trust Antonio Brown's live stream as the un, you know, unquestionable truth, let's say. So we're not going to speculate exactly what was going on, but it wasn't a good situation for Antonio because he was obviously very angry at the police showing up to his house and, and presumably taking away some children he knew, maybe his children. I Again, I really don't know the whole situation. Now, that was maybe two weeks ago, maybe a week and a half ago. It wasn't that long ago, okay? Then today, or yesterday, maybe it was two days ago, but it was this week, or late this week, so a couple days ago, yesterday, something like that, an arrest warrant is, is made for Antonio Brown, and they are the, the police, I believe he was in, I think, Florida? I'm not exactly sure. I should have written that down, as you all know, my longtime listeners. I have you know, issues writing things down that I'm supposed to that I think, you know, I forget that I probably should do that. And, you know, where this happened, what jurisdiction this is in, I don't actually know. So, but anyway, the the local police put out an arrest warrant for him for robbery and battery. I think he goes on Twitter and says they're trying to slander him. You know, obviously it's, it's Antonio Brown. He's going to make this stuff up on Twitter, just say all these crazy things. And, you know, half the people that are, that are seeing this unfold are laughing at him. Like Antonio Brown, you're an idiot, like, what are you doing, you know, just just laughing at him, and it is his expense, and I get it, you know, I, I laugh at Antonio Brown enough myself, but the other half of the people are starting to realize how serious this is getting for Antonio Brown, because this is getting, like, criminal, because first of all, before the criminal activity, Antonio Brown was simply just a moron, like, a complete moron. There's nothing else, there was nothing else to it, though. He wasn't going out getting charged with battery and robbery like he is now. And man, I, I wonder how Mike Tomlin was able to keep him 
Ben Roethlisberger, and Le'Veon Bell on the same roster without huge flare-ups. I mean, there were a few here and there, but there was, I mean, it was nothing like this. Crazy. Oh, by the way, Eli Manning is retiring today. That that press conference, I think, is going on like 15 minutes from now. We're recording around, right now it's 11.15 in the morning, so we started right after 11 o'clock. Um, I would talk about that, but you know the press conference hasn't happened yet. Um, but this is more, I think, interesting, at least for the Ravens, because we've, we've dealt with Antonio Brown for years. He was in our division. There was talk the Ravens might go after him. Eli Manning, not so much. He's off in the NFC East. We really don't deal with him much. So Antonio Brown, after the arrest warrant comes in, I, he eventually turns himself in. I don't know exactly what happened. I think he consulted with his lawyers, and they essentially told him to turn himself in. And by the way, um, Drew Rosenhaus' former agent dropped him recently. He just flat-out dropped him. He couldn't take it anymore. That's not good. Drew Rosenhaus, obviously one of the best, most well-known agents in the National Football League, and for good reason because he gets his contracts, uh, his, 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 um, uh, his players' huge contracts. Antonio Brown obviously not doing himself any good, so Drew Rosenhaus just can't take it anymore, dropped him recently. Um, so he turns himself in, Antonio Brown does. And then this morning, I believe it is, according to Andy Slater of Fox Sports, he shows up to court in an anti-suicide smock with a $100,000 bond, and the judge orders Brown to wear a GPS monitor, surrender his passport, and undergo a mental health evaluation. This is the most serious point the Antonio Brown saga has ever gotten to. There has been nothing that's gotten anywhere near this point. We knew this guy was wacko, okay? When you threaten to punch your GM in the face for simply fining you because you didn't come to the team meetings, you were mandatory, it was mandatory for you to show up because you are a member of the team, that's how we know you're wacko. But this is beyond what we've ever seen with Antonio Brown. This is far, far, far beyond. So, what's going to happen next is a real question. If Antonio Brown is convicted, I don't I don't know. If he's convicted guilty on both robbery and battery, I don't know exactly what the sentence would be, but I would imagine there's a very real chance of jail time. Antonio Brown, a real chance of jail time. And remember, this is a guy who we all thought, we all know, is a Hall of Fame caliber talent. There's no question, okay? Look, I've said things about Antonio Brown. He is a bit of an overglorified slot receiver, in my opinion, okay? That's how I've seen him for years. But, I mean, there's no question of the talent. He's done enough to the Ravens to the point where we all know the talent Antonio Brown has. And, you know, it was it was funny when, you know, he got himself off the Steelers because he was, you know, so arrogant, and then he got himself thrown off the Raiders. It was funny at that time. I'm not going to lie. Because Ravens fans know how, well, most of them do. I mean, I see a lot of Ravens fans talking about, oh, we should sign A.B. so we can play with his cousin and we can have the best receiver. No, shut up. We all know how crazy Antonio Brown has been. We've known it before most of the NFL. I think we all can agree on that because we've seen it. We've seen his diva outbursts in the division. We've seen it more than most teams. So it was, you know, it was kind of funny when this all happened, but now it's not so funny. This dude has serious implications of something, you know, going wrong here. Serious implications in this arrest. 
So we're going to have to see what happens. I mean, I don't really want to speculate too much on it. But, you know, this mental health evaluation, hopefully something comes in with that. I mean, that's probably the biggest key. You know, GPS monitors, surrenders passport, can't flee the country, can't escape. I get it. Mental health evaluation, the judge ordered it. We will, if it's ever made public, we might know more about the mind of Antonio Brown. And this might be, you know, a seminal case for the NFL here. I mean, think about it. If Antonio Brown's mental health devolved since he started playing in the National Football League, which is plenty of evidence to suggest because, by all accounts, originally, he was known as a hard-working guy determined to prove himself. And what he became was a guy who doesn't work at all, who thinks he's the greatest, and should always be known as the greatest. So obviously something shifted. Now Ryan Clark of ESPN will tell you it was the huge deal the Steelers gave to him and it went to his head. And that very well could be true. That probably is one of the huge factors of it. He was probably always an egotist, and that deal kind of escalated it. But if we can determine that Antonio Brown has mental health issues, and if, they, if we somehow can determine or at least infer that they arise out of football, I mean, this could be huge. And not in the way you want it. Because if we get more, you know, proof, let's say, that these repeated head traumas have an immediate negative effect, which is kind of obvious to us, but that it can go this far, that it could take someone this far, I mean, that's not good for the game. That's not good for, for anyone, really. And I'm not saying that, like, oh, it's going to hurt the NFL. Like, no, it's not good for the players in the NFL because they didn't know that when they signed up. I mean, we had we have cases like Chris Borland, right? Chris Borland, I think it was 2014 was his rookie year. Promising young rookie inside linebacker was actually, you know, someone a lot of guys thought was going to become a, a big-time starter in this league. Retired after one year out of concerns for his noggin. We could see more of this. And the NFL is going to have to really, if I mean, if this is the case with Antonio Brown, the NFL would really have to start step up, stepping up more efforts to make the game safer. And they really should do that regardless. But this would put more pressure on them. So, I mean, will we know anything? Will it ever be made public? I don't know. But there is a chance we'll know some more things, some more information. Um, but maybe he's always been like this. I mean, we, we don't know. Maybe we'll get some light shed into this. Now the real question, though, is does Antonio Brown ever play again? No way. There's no way this guy ever plays again. None. He sat out all of 2019. Nobody wanted Antonio Brown after he got cut from the Patriots. If you can't be good for the Patriots, and I, I mean, I know he was better for the Patriots than the Oakland Raiders, you know, fitting into that Patriot way. And and the allegations, for those of you that don't know, he was out, um, alleged sexual assault again. Um, I don't know if it's again, but he was. Um, you know, if you can't stay on the Patriots with that level of talent, there's something big, big wrong. I don't think he ever plays again. I really don't. I think his career is completely over. At this point, there's no, what, what NFL team, regardless of Antonio Brown's talent, would go out there and sign this guy. It'd be a PR nightmare. He would barely ever show up. You know, he could get hurt. He's getting older. Definitely not worth it at this, at this time. With, all, with this case behind him. 
So that's the whole Antonio Brown story. Sorry, that took up maybe more time than we were looking to do. Um, but I thought it was important to kind of convey what's going on with that just because, you know, it's probably the biggest story in the National Football League right now. Now, speaking of wide receivers who have not been in the league this year, um, Des Bryant, believe it or not, that Des Bryant, the man who used to be dominant for the, the Dallas Cowboys, the Baltimore Ravens targeted him in free agency, did not sign with the Ravens, made an interesting comment on Twitter, and I want to kind of just talk about it for a little bit. Maybe I can get your guys' um, thoughts on it, you know, if, if you send them to me. Des Bryant on Twitter said, quote, My dream goals, dot, 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 I want to suit up in the blue and silver, dot, 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 the black and gold, or the black and purple. So obviously the blue and silver is the Dallas Cowboys. The black and gold, I would imagine, is the New Orleans Saints. But the purple and black, or the black and purple, as he says, there's only other, there's only one team, and that's the Baltimore Ravens. Now, here's the funny thing about this. As I mentioned, he turned down a contract with the Ravens in 2018, a big one, not, not to mention. Um, that was a 30 plus million dollar contract per reports, multi year from the Ravens, and he supposedly just wanted a prove it deal. I mean, but 30 million dollars is huge. Now, Des Bryant is getting older. Okay. I believe he turned 30 that year. He might be 31 now, something like that. He's in his early 30s. He's coming off in a 2018. In 2018, he signed with the, the the Saints mid-year for a potential Super Bowl run. Tore his Achilles second day of practice. So he's coming off of that. Now he wants to get back into the game. And look. Des Bryant, when he was at the top, he was at the top. He was a really good receiver. Had some drop problems, yes, but he was a very good receiver. You know, he put up the X, and that was the huge symbol. Everyone remembers Des. I mean, there's no question Des Bryant was one of the most electrifying players in the league. 2013, 2014, maybe 2015. I mean, he was he was a superstar. Since being cut by the Cowboys, obviously, that hasn't really resonated. He hasn't really been back to that point um, has it played at all, really, since 2017 was his last year. And now he wants to, he wants to get back into football. He took this year to um, recover from that injury because tearing an Achilles, obviously, you know, that's a, that's a huge injury. That's a huge injury. It's not something you can easily come back from. So he takes off all of 2019 to rehab that injury. And, you know, I get it. I understand it. But he wants to come back to Baltimore? I mean, let's let's be real here, okay? The Ravens are not interested in Des Bryant. Again, they were at one point. We could have had Crabtree, Bryant, and John Brown. Instead, we had Crabtree, Willie Sneed, and John Brown in 2018, which, you know, maybe just ha- maybe having Willie Sneed instead of Des Bryant worked out for the better because Des Bryant, you know, ends up tearing his Achilles. Probably would have done the same if it was, you know, partially torn or something and ready to pop. Probably would have done the same for Baltimore. Who knows? Um, but anyway, you know, we get Willie Sneed, which I'm happy with Willie Sneed. There's no question I'm happy with Willie Sneed, what he brings to the offense. He's a great player for the fit, the offense. Not a huge stack guy right now, but he fits this offense very well. So I'm very happy with Sneed. Maybe we could have had both. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't really matter. But the point is, Des Bryant turned down a contract offer with the Baltimore Ravens, a lucrative, long-term security offer with the Ravens. He turned it down. Why, 
on earth we want him back. And there's a lot of Ravens fans in his comments, right, commenting on that post, replying to that post. Come to the Ravens. We want you here. Come to the Ravens. Come to the Ravens. Come to the Ravens. This dude, okay, I mean, maybe we could sign him. But I'm not really for it. Because he turned down a contract offer with us before, a $30 million multi-year security offer. He would have been on the Ravens 2018, 2019, and 2020, probably. And probably 2021, he'd probably be under contract for. I bet you it was a four-year deal. I don't remember the statistics, what came out, what didn't. It's been, what, two years now? He's coming off of an Achilles injury. He did not play at all in 2019. He wants to play again. I get it. You know, may, I mean, he he would fit at one place in the offense. He'd be the possession receiver, okay? We need a possession guy. We've got a slot guy in Willie. We've got a speed burner in Marquise. We don't really have a possession guy. I mean, we have Chris Moore, Seth Roberts. I don't know if either of them are coming back this year. We have Miles Boykin, who could be a possession guy, but it's too really early in his career. We have Jaleel Scott, who could probably do it, but, again, too early in his career. Um, do we even have any other receivers? I don't know. So, but we didn't really have someone huge like him this season. Maybe that was really our biggest issue. Now, but there's the draft. There's Henry Ruggs, third, right? There's Jerry Ju. I mean, there are some really T. Higgins who I might be in love with. T. Higgins. I mean, I can't wait to do his prospect review because he might be my Nikhil Harry. You know, there's always a guy every year that I kind of latch onto. Last year it was Nikhil Harry. Um, I don't remember who it was the previous year. 2018 draft I don't remember um but the year prior I mean I was kind of between John Ross and and, and uh Corey Davis out of Western Michigan it's always wide receivers because you know the Ravens just need some wide receivers it's funny because I didn't even actually review Marquise Brown he was like the only first round prospect I didn't review I didn't really think the Ravens would go after him and then they did oops um but you know we got T Higgins Henry Ruggs uh the third We've got Jerry Judy out there. We've got some really interesting wide receiver talent in this draft. And we're sitting here talking about Des Bryant. Now, if we sign him for a really, really, really tiny deal, I'm talking 3 to $4 million a year, then, yeah, I'm on board the Des Bryant train. But that's not going to happen. This dude's going to want 8 $9, 10000000 million a year. Does he deserve it? If he was coming out of the Cowboys, right off the Cowboys year, yeah, absolutely. Two years removed from pl- last playing and recovering from an Achilles, no. I mean, that's the risk you take on, a, on trying to get a prove-it deal, which he eventually got with the Saints, and then he tore his Achilles. So if he was with the Ravens, he would have been fine. He would have just not played that year, or for the rest of the year, because he tore it in November. He would have been back in 2019 with Lamar and maybe done well. Who knows? But there's too many question marks around Des Bryant. And I'm not talking character because Des Bryant's character, I mean, um, you know, he's some people have called him a diva, you know, whatever, because he's not A.B., okay? He's definitely nowhere near Antonio Brown. So let's, let's dispel that for a little bit. Um, I'm interested to see what he, you know, what he does this year, this upcoming offseason, where he signs, if he signs anywhere. I don't, I mean, I don't know. Let me know what you guys think. Tweet me, send me a comment on YouTube, something like that. Um, I'm interested to know what you guys think about Des Bryant. Do you want him in the purple and black? 
I mean, again, for me, it would really depend on the deal. Because he would fill a role. There's no question he'd fill a role. Whether he'd do it well or not, I don't know. And that's why I want him on a, a, a either a really short-term deal or something that's kind of long-term but with not a lot of cash. Maybe a, an option and, you know, not a lot of cash to start with an option to keep him with a lot of cash. Something like that, you know. But he's, I think he's 31, 32, somewhere around there right now. I just don't see him being the Des Bryant we used to know. It's not like we're picking up prime Des Bryant. We're picking up, you know, lame duck, late term Des Bryant. That's really the reality we're in with him. But maybe he does really well. I mean, I'd like to see him do really well. But I'm just trying to be practical here. I'm trying, you know, to be reasonable, to be realistic. That's my goal here. But I would love to see him play again. I really would. I don't I don't know if it's going to be for us. I don't think it's going to be for us, especially, you know, snubbing us the first time. But there's definitely going to be some team that picks him up there for some contract, and I'd like to see him play again. That's just how I see it. So moving on, um, let's talk a little bit about the upcoming draft. Now, we don't have a whole lot of stuff to talk about this week, Ravens-wise. I mean... You can see I'm kind of dragging stuff out here because, you know, it's an hour episode and and nothing's really happened this week. But, you know, we have an upcoming draft, okay? The Baltimore Ravens have the 28th pick officially. It's official now. There's no question. Um, So I've compiled my draft board, my yearly draft board. I was trying to start with like 30 prospects, but after watching the East-West Shrine Bowl, the NFL PA Bowl, I added uh, quite a bit of prospects here that I like, that I want to take a look at. I don't know how many of these I'm going to review in depth, give actual grades to, fit grades. You know, I, I'm doing it a little differently this year. I'm giving a, a projected round where I think they're going to be picked, a prospect grade, which I haven't come up with the actual grading system yet. I want to do it a little differently because I want to tailor it to the Ravens, I might combine the fit grade I have with the prospect grade, but I, I mean, I kind of want to keep it separate. I, we'll, we'll see how it works. And then, of course, a need level for the position, which we haven't determined yet because we haven't gone through um, free agency. And, of course, that can turn a must-have, like a wide receiver, into a, you know, it'd be nice to add another one kind of thing. But there are, I think there's about 50 prospects I have on this list. I'm not going to go through every single one, but maybe a couple per position here that I'm interested in for the Baltimore Ravens. Um, Now, obviously, you know, the quarterback position, and this is all really premature because we haven't even hit the combine. The Senior Bowl is tomorrow. We haven't even watched that yet. Pro days haven't happened, so we're not we don't have enough information to really get at this. So a lot of my projected rounds here are kind of more conjecture, so I'm not really going to give those. But just some players I'm going to watch here. And and quarterback position, you know, obviously the Ravens, I don't really think need a quarterback position. If you read my um, review of the quarterback position for the Baltimore Ravens, the, the, the state of the core, um, you know, as I'm doing it, I did it last year, I'm doing it again this year. We have three quarterbacks on the roster. RG3 is the, the, the preferable backup to Lamar Jackson. There's no question in my mind. Trace McSorley still provides some value. I don't know what's going to happen to him after the offseason. I think he might get cut after the offseason, to be completely honest with you, unless they can find him a Taysom Hill role. You know, because you, like, you can't just keep three quarterbacks and just sit around with that forever, right? But anyway, you know, I don't see the Ravens adding a quarterback in the draft. I see them adding a quarterback as an undrafted free agent, as they typically do for a camp arm 
someone who's just there to throw to some tryout receivers and such, you know, run practices when there's, what, 90 players on the roster over the training camp period. Someone to do that. And that's all the Ravens really need. Now, but there is, I mean, there is one quarterback in the draft I'm kind of interested in. I think the Ravens could be interested in, although I don't really expect them to. And of course, some analysts have talked about it, and I, you know, I really don't agree with taking him. But Jalen Hurts, I mean, really kind of does fit the system when you think about it. Alabama through and through. This guy, four years at Alabama, fifth year at Oklahoma. Um, you know, he's not the best passer in the world. I'll give, I'll, I'll give him that he improved this year because at Alabama, you know, there were some times where you felt like Jalen Hurts just couldn't do some things. But, you know, he he fits the system because he can run. Um, he's become a much better passer. Now people are talking about him switching to a wide receiver. Listen, we, 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 we've had this conversation before. He's probably not going to do that. Maybe it would be beneficial for him to do that. We've seen it happen with some guys switching. Julian Edelman switched, you know. But, you know, he, he right now is a quarterback. That's what he wants to be. He's 6'2", 218. I, pro- I mean, I said I was going to talk about projections, but I'll, I'll, I'll say it here. I project him to be a late-round pick, obviously. Fifth round, maybe. You know, there's a lot of other quarterbacks I think there are better, safer decisions in this draft. Joe Burrow, obviously. Um, Tua Tagovailoa. you know, ignoring the injuries. Um, Justin Herbert is, is a guy that a lot of people are looking at. So Jalen Hurts, though, is the only real quarterback in this draft class that I can see the Ravens having any interest in because he kind of fits this scheme. The run first, throw on the run, use your quarterback on the ground scheme. That's what Jalen Hurts can do. That's what he did at Alabama. That's what he did at Oklahoma. He threw better at Oklahoma this year than ever before, I believe. But, you know, he's still that run first guy. That's what he is. Now, running back, I don't expect the Ravens to add unless we somehow lose Gus Edwards, which would be a a, a travesty because Gus Edwards is is a, um, I believe, an exclusive rights-free agent. So the Ravens, you know, I believe have the complete decision over him at this point. I, I don't know exactly what the ruling is. I always get confused with that. I, I understand unrestricted uh, free agents. I, re- I understand restricted free agents, you know, being able to go out and have an offer sheet matched um, by your team to keep you. But um, I believe an exclusive rights free agent, I think the Ravens have the complete say on whether they want to keep him and then Maybe allow him to hit the market. I'm not exactly sure, though, so I have to check up on that when we write that article about the running backs, which should be maybe... Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to do it this weekend because of the Senior Bowl and such, but hopefully it'll be out by next week. Um, but there are some running backs I'm looking at. Jonathan Taylor and J.K. Dobbins are probably my two, top two running backs this class. Um, you know, Travis Etienne was going to be up there, but then he decided to come back to Clemson for his senior year, which I, I respect. It's a decision he made. I, I probably would have taken the money, but he made the decision. Um, improve his draft stock, maybe try to, you know, be a top-five pick next year to make more money. So Jonathan Taylor, obviously out of Wisconsin, I, I believe he'll be a second-round pick. He was a guy a lot of people thought could win the Heisman this year before, you know, um, Burrow exploded onto the scene. Dobbins, Ohio State, I've seen him play in person. Really good running back, kind of a beater. Uh, 5-10-2-14. I also think he's going to be a second-round pick. You know, running backs kind of fluctuate. Sometimes they get picked in the first round. Sometimes they get pushed down to the second round. You know, I like second round for running backs because I think the running back position isn't a super complicated one, and that's not to take away from what these guys do. But it just means there's a lot of guys that can do a lot of different things. 
especially if you're a bruiser. If you're a bruiser and you're going in the first round, that might be a bit of a problem because there's a lot of guys who can go in there and pound the line. We saw Gus Edwards, undrafted free agent, do that. Dobbins, Taylor, they're kind of similar guys. Dobbins, I think, more is more of a bruiser than Taylor, but you know, you get the idea. They're both fast too, though. Um, so we'll see in the combine what they do. But how about Calais Raymond or Calais Raymond? I was watching. I don't remember if it was the East West Shrine or if it was NFLPA. And this guy had a couple interesting plays. I think at a UL, yeah, he's at a UL Lafayette, five nine, one eighty five. Maybe something interesting to keep your eye on. He's a late round pick if he gets picked. Maybe he's undrafted. Um, so we'll see what happens there. But again, I really don't expect the Ravens to to go after a running back unless we lose somehow lose Gus Edwards because you know we just signed Mark Ingram. Resigning Gus, you don't need another one. We've we've got Justice Hill as our third guy. We just drafted last year. Adding a fourth guy, I mean, we don't need a fourth running back unless we get rid of Trace McSorley and you want to keep a fourth running back. I could see it, but we really, my opinion, sorry, do not need a fourth running back. Now the wide receiver position, I have a ton of receivers on this board, a ton, because there are just a lot of different guys that we can look at and say, hmm, maybe this is our guy. Because let's face it, wide receiver is still one of the big issues with the Ravens. The Ravens don't have many issues. Let's let's point that out first of all. The Ravens don't have many holes to fill, but wide receiver is going to be one of them. I don't expect Chris Moore to stay. I believe he will be cut, or I don't know if his contract is expiring or not. Seth Roberts, I would like to see stay. Um, so that would give us Willie Sneed, Seth Roberts, Marquis Brown, Miles Boykin. Jaleel Scott's kind of on the edge there. I, I think, though... We probably do need to add a receiver and either get rid of Scott or, or Roberts, even though I really like what both of them can do potential-wise. Maybe we keep six wide receivers, you know, who knows. Now, there's some receivers here. There's Jerry, Judy, C.D. Lamb, T. Higgins, probably the big three of this draft class. I see Jerry, Judy maybe as the best receiver in this class. C.D. Lamb, another speedster from Oklahoma. I don't know if the Ravens will want to add another guy like C.D. Lamb, like Marquise Brown. Of course, C.D. has... Um, a little more height to him, 6'2", 191. Um, Jerry Judy's 6'1", 192. If we're going to add him in the first round, that might be the case. But T. Higgins, I mean, he's a guy that, that could go around 28. I have, I, I'm not sure where. I put him in the second round for now just to spice things up. Clemson, 6'4", 215. He's a big possession dude. I mean, this he's probably right now the guy I'm looking at in this class as the as a potential future Raven. If anybody's going to be a future Raven, it's going to be T. Higgins, in my opinion. Of course, I mean, anything can change. Combine, senior day, I mean, pro day. Um, I don't know if he's playing in this pro senior bowl. I'll find out tomorrow. But he's a guy I really like. Justin Jefferson out of LSU, 6'3", is a guy I could see the Ravens taking. But how about this guy? John Hightower out of Boise State. I project him to be a very late-round draft pick. Has some really nice plays in the East-West Shrine game. Some really nice catches. I I liked him a lot. Freddie Swain out of Florida, late round pick, 6-0-199. Not as big as Hightower, but he, you know, had some nice plays too. This kid out of Barry, I don't even know where Barry is. I think it's in Canada. Mason Kinsey, he could be undrafted. He's a guy I'm looking at too. There's a lot of different guys in this class, and you can go over on BaltimoreFeather.com, check out my full draft board. There's a lot of different guys I'll be looking at. And I want to, you know, go through this class and, and really evaluate and in video format like I did last year, you know, a lot of these guys. I'd like to do that again um, and see where the Ravens, you know, can go. But right now, if I had to bet on any receiver, I'd bet on T. Higgins. 
that seems to me like the big best fit, biggest guy available kind of deal. Um, so you know, best talent, big guy, possession, fit, everything there. You're not looking for another speedster. I mean, Judy's probably gonna go top ten, top fifteen. You probably won't get him. So I mean, it, we'll see though. Maybe stock goes up. Maybe Tay Higgins ends up in the top ten. Jerry Judy falls down. We will see. I mean, we we just have to wait on it. Um, there's a lot of different wide receivers on this board that that we could look at. Tight end, I don't expect us to take one. We have we just signed Nick Boyle to a big big time extension. Hurst and um, Andrews obviously taken in 2018. We're not. I mean, we don't need a fourth tight end at all. So I don't expect us to draft one. But if we did draft one, maybe Eli Wolf out of Georgia had a nice East West Shrine game. He's a guy that didn't get a lot of opportunity, you know, as a pass catcher, but you know, as a blocker in that kind of situation, he he. Um, in that team, he had a lot of opportunities there, and he showed he could catch in the East-West Shrine game, so he's a bit of an under-the-radar under the prospect. Um, offensive tackles, Matt Womack is the one that stood out to me the most in the East-West Shrine game. That's where I, I think the best prospects were this year between NFL PA Bowl and the East-West Shrine game, uh, which I think technically really it always is that way. It's, it's more prestigious to go to the East-West than it is the NFL PA. Um, but Matt Womack, 6'7", 325 out of Alabama. I think he's probably going to be a mid-round pick. But do we need an offensive tackle? Not really. We have Ronnie Stanley, who honestly should be the highest-paid left tackle after this year. Uh, maybe he takes a little bit of a price cut to help the Ravens, but I kind of doubt that. But he'll be re-signed, hopefully. So I don't think we need a starter there. We don't need a starter over on the right side with Atlanta Brown. If we want to add depth, Womack could be our guy. Um, you know, I know we have James Hurst. I don't know what his contract is. I, I haven't really got to that point yet in my evaluation of the roster. I've only done quarterback so far. Um, but he's really the the only one I'm really looking at. I mean, there's Jack Driscoll, too, out of Auburn. But I'm really, really, I really liked what I saw out of Womack. But offensive guard, I think, is going to be a big need this year. I believe we will draft at least one offensive guard. I can see us drafting two interior offensive linemen. Um... And the one I really liked out of the East-West Shrine game, Michael Onwenu out of Michigan, 6'3", 350, a um, lot of power. Big dude, a lot of power, great run blocking. He's a guy I could completely see the Ravens trying to um, train to eventually take Marshall Young to spot. And, of course, you have the Harbaugh connection, so Harbaugh can call up his brother, Jim, uh, ask him what's, what Owenu is like, you know, how well he would fit this offense, and he'd get a really, really super accurate information. So, I mean, we will see, but he's the guy I like the best. Um, you know, Taylor Bizads at um, Tyler Bizads at center for Wisconsin. He's a guy I'm looking at, too, on this list. Um, that's pretty much it for offense. Let's head into the defense here. After I take a sip of water from talking so long, Let's take a look at the defense. Defensive end slash outside linebacker. That's going to be a big, big, big place for the Baltimore Ravens this year. Especially if we don't re-sign Judon. My opinion, we have to re-sign Judon. Not at all costs, but at a large cost, preferably, for him. Um, you know, He's going to get a huge deal on the market if the Ravens don't extend him before then. If he hits the market, honestly, I kind of see we see us losing him, but I would really, really, really prefer to keep him. And we need to keep homegrown talent, and Judon is one of those guys who we've known was going to be great. Really, from the, from the first year, we knew he was going to be really good. 
and he really showed it this year, and I think a long-term contract would really benefit him. He could be the next Terrell Suggs for all we know. I mean, maybe not to that degree, but, you know, to the to the sense that he's with the Ravens forever. Not forever, for a very long time. Um, but we need somebody to help him, and then maybe that's Tyus Bowser. Maybe that's um, Ferguson, Jalen Ferguson. Maybe he leaves, but we need to draft someone regardless. A.J. Epinesa might be my favorite for him, but, of course, he's going to go first round, and he might go really high in the first round. Defensive end out of Iowa, I saw him play on television this year a couple times, and I was like, wow, this guy is really, really good. Um, just, just fantastic. Terrell Lewis is a guy out of Alabama. Of course, the Alabama connection there. Um, you know, mid-round prospect probably. Of course, you know, he could elevate his stock, but, you know, it's going to be difficult picking mid-round for a guy if we need production now. And I know Tyus Bowser has greatly improved this year. I mean, there's no question he, he had some big plays. Jalen Ferguson might be our best run-stuffing outside linebacker. He's a very good outside linebacker, hits that edge so well. I mean, I was concerned about him providing value for the Ravens. I really was. Because when you looked at his tape, it was just bull rush, plow through guys that were smaller than him in college, and hit the quarterback. And obviously you're not going to do that against six, seven, 350-pound tackles in the National Football League. But he figured out a way to contribute to the Ravens, hitting that edge, keeping the run locked down. And he did that, really, since Pernell McPhee got hurt. It was, it was really a big help for the Ravens. Um, but you need to find someone dominant to go outside of him. So whether it's A.J. Epinesa, whether it's somebody else on this list, Isaiah Simmons out of Clemson maybe, for potential first-round pick, you know, we'll see. We will see. There's a lot of guys that, that will be able to improve their stock. Maybe Christian Roseboom. I saw him play, I believe it was the East, not the East-West, uh, NFLPA Bowl. South Dakota State had some nice plays. Maybe he's a guy we can look at. Inside linebacker is going to be another big position for the Ravens this year, too. You know, the loss of C.J. Mosley was huge. We felt it at the beginning of the year. Now, we, we re-signed L.J. Fort. We might re-sign Josh Vines. Um, it'd be inside linebacker by committee again. And look, I like what both of them bring. If we re-sign both, that's fine by me. But I think we need someone dominant. Now, the Ravens have always had somebody in there that's been like the leader of the group. We don't really have an inside linebacker leader right now. It wasn't Kenny Young, unfortunately. We had to trade him. Bynes and Fort are very good in their own right, but I, I don't see really either of them as the dominant inside linebacker. We need somebody. We do. Maybe it's Oklahoma's Kenneth Murray. First-round pick, maybe. You know? There's some other guys I'm looking at. Sean Bradley out of Temple. I think I saw him play in the NFL PA ball. Um, you know, he's a mid-round pick. You know, there, there's a lot of, like... It's interesting, the Ravens roster this, this offseason, there's a lot of p positions where the Ravens are pretty good. Right, they're pretty good at inside linebacker with the current roster. They're they're fine, they're fine at outside linebacker, and they're fine at wide receiver. But there's you're missing like the one guy that makes it great, like really really good. They're just they're good. They're fine. They're serviceable. They'll do the job, but they're not dominant. And that's what we're missing at wide receiver, inside linebacker, and outside linebacker. Our three big positional needs. Because everything else, I mean, secondary is pretty much the best secondary in the league. I don't think there's any question. Defensive line's pretty good. Um, maybe could use a little beefing up with getting rid of some of the veterans like Pecco. 
Um, although Peko did really well, I, I I hope honestly I hope we resign Jihad Ward. That's a guy I'm, I'm really hoping we resign. Really hoping we resign Jihad Ward. Um, but maybe we could use some young infusion of of, of uh, young blood in there. You know everything else though really offensive line's pretty good. Running backs is great. Quarterback obviously fantastic. Um, yeah, but wide receiver, outside linebacker, inside linebacker, the positions we just really need someone to be dominant in. But we don't have that. We don't have our C.J. Mosley. We don't have our Terrell Suggs. We don't have our Anquan Bolton. Ever since we've left, we got rid of Anquan Bolton. We haven't had. I mean, we had Steve Smith Sr. for a few years, who was really dominant at, at points before he really got those injuries, which kind of hampered him down a little bit. But, you know, we're missing the dominance in these positions. We need to get it back. So inside linebacker, we got to get it back there. Defensive tackle, I mean, I think we'll add one because we always add one. It's been like eight years running. We've added a defensive tackle every year. Um, Darian Daniels out of Nebraska or Davis or Raquan Davis, the only guys I have uh, on this list right now. Um, Davis is from Alabama. He's 6'6", 316. Should be maybe an early round, second or third round pick. Um, Daniels from Nebraska, 6'3", 320, late round pick, something like that. Cornerback, I mean, I have a few of them on here because I think the Ravens might just add a corner because, I mean, who knows? Brandon Carr's probably going to go at this point. You know, he's been moved to safety. It's a classic thing that, you know, they did with Ladarius Webb, moved him to safety when they couldn't help a corner anymore. You know, I, I love Brandon Carr. I love what he's done. He's, he's been really good for us, but at this point, it might be time to move on. Maybe it's somebody like, you know, um, there's a lot of guys on here, but Christian Fulton out of LSU. Someone I was looking at, Luther Kirk out of Illinois State, I believe it was the East-West Shrine, probably is going to go undrafted, but I really did like what I saw out of him. Um, Jace Whitaker out of Arizona had some good plays in the Senior Bowl. I'm sorry, East-West Shrine game. I'm all out of it today. Um, you know, we'll probably, I mean, maybe we add a corner, maybe we don't, right? If we re-sign Carr for a year, if we keep Jimmy Smith, we're not adding a corner at that point. But if we, let's say we lose Jimmy Smith, let's say we lose Carr, then we got to add one. I remember, there's seven rounds in the draft. I think we have eight picks. Don't count me on that. I haven't actually put that on the draft um, page. I'm going to do that later today. Fill out the whole draft page. Get stuff moving on there. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Now, safety, of course, if we lose Tony Jefferson, I could see us drafting a safety to, um, you know, stay up with the ratio there. Now, there's a couple guys. Grant Delpit is the is the is probably the best safety in this class so far, so I don't think we're going to go after him. We probably want someone mid-round like Jaquarius Landrews. Perfect. Amazing name, by the way. Jaquarius Landrews. I have a lot of fun covering him. Miles Dorn, maybe, out of North Carolina. I mean, these are guys that maybe mid-round, late-round picks we could we could get to replace um, Tony Jefferson if we choose to do that. Although, you know, the Tony Jefferson hate on the Baltimore Ravens um, fan base. I mean, it's a really... I, I don't really agree with it. I think it's a little... Um, overdone to be honest with you but I understand you know frustrations with Jefferson and coverage from time to time I get it but he's he's a box safety that's what he is he's really like more like a linebacker than a coverage safety that's what the Ravens you know they didn't really use him that way in 2017 they really mistook him in 2017 2018 much better 2019 obviously the injury kind of hampered the, the season before it really got going for him um, but I still believe he's a valuable asset for the Ravens. But, you know, the cap hit, maybe they have to just part with him at this point and replace him with Chuck Clark, who honestly did a fantastic job at safety. I mean, that's the problem. If we didn't have Chuck Clark, then we're keeping um, Tony Jefferson. But we've got Chuck Clark. We've got someone who looks like, you know, he could, re be re he could replace him. And 
you know, I have to say it, I really didn't like Chuck Clark coming out of college, but he's really proved himself, really proved himself for the Baltimore Ravens, for the whole fan base. So we'll see what they do. I mean, it's going to be a very interesting offseason. Um, of course, free agency is going to come first. I'm really interested in what the Ravens do with the re-signing positions they have. Do they extend Marlon Humphrey? Do they extend Ronnie Stanley now? Do they re-sign Judon? Do they re-sign um, Josh Bynes? You know, what's going to happen? Do they get rid of both Seth Roberts and Chris Moore? I think Chris Moore is a dead man walking at this point. But Seth Roberts, not so much. He had some pretty good plays to the Ravens here and there. So, I mean, we'll see. We All we can do is wait. That's what we have to do at this point. Um, so that's my draft board. I want to wrap up this episode. It's going to be a little bit under an hour. Who cares? Um, of course, we really had not a whole lot of stuff to talk about this week. Next week, we'll have a longer episode, I would imagine, um, at least eclipsing the hour with our special guest coming on, talking about the Super Bowl, talking about potential um, awards being given out. Obviously, MVP and Coach of the Year are on our highest priority watch. Um, but I want to remind you guys, the Senior Bowl tomorrow um, will be played um, tomorrow at 2.30. It's going to kick off. And, and it's, it's really, I think it's the most important all college all-star game yearly. This is the one that, you know, the best prospects are going to be at. Justin Herbert is here. I mean, May, um, Mayfield was at the Senior Bowl in, when he went first, first pick. Uh, there's a lot of guys that, that end up at the Senior Bowl being very high picks. It's not the East-West Shrine game and the NFLPA where you're looking at low to mid-round guys. It's, you know, the Senior Bowl. This is huge. So before we I – mean, let's just take a look at the the rosters here. Um, see if there's anybody I want to take a look at here. Um, you know, let's see. Uh, any Maryland guys? I really should have done this before. I wasn't actually planning on – looking at the rosters here. Um, it doesn't look like there's any Maryland guys playing for the North team, maybe the South team. That'd probably make more sense. Technically, Maryland is underneath the Mason-Dixon line. So um, let's take a look at that. South team. And as you all know, I always, always, always have this problem. Yeah, there's Maryland. Antoine Brooks, defensive um, DS. What does that even mean? DS. I don't even know. Well, it's like a long defensive snapper is the first thing that came to my mind, but that can't be right. Um, DS. Either I'm having a really stupid mental block, or I've. I mean, this position doesn't. I don't even know. Maybe it's just a typo. For there's a lot of DSs. Let's take a look. Um. DS. What the heck is a DS? No, not Nintendo DS. What position does DS stand for? Oh, deep safety. Oh, I would have just called. I labeled him as a safety. Okay, so yeah, we got him. Um, let's go positional here. Let's look at some positions. Wide receivers are going to be big priority. Austin Mack out of Ohio State might be interesting to watch. Um, Josiah Degara I have on my list as a tight end. He'll be playing in the Senior Bowl. Um, quarterbacks, we got Justin Herbert and Steven Montez for the South. Oh, that doesn't make much sense. Um, Cameron Brown, offensive outside linebacker, I should say, for Penn State might be interesting to watch. There's a lot of different guys here that I'm going to look at, um, you know, during this game. 
but anyway, th this game is going to be very important, so I, I, I recommend you watch it if you have it. Um, you know, just watch some players. I usually hone in on a single player every drive and just watch that player. If I like him, I add him to the list. If not, then I just kind of get rid of him. Um, Liberty, Antonio Gandy Golden, wide receiver, might be interesting. I like the the, the prospects coming out of small schools, late-round guys that you don't expect to do very much. Um, th because they always have the biggest upside, in my opinion. Jonah Jackson might be interesting to watch. Oh, I say guard um, for the North team here. Trevon Hill, edge from Miami, might be interesting to watch. Um, Michigan, Josh Metellus, and Kaleke Hudson, deep safeties, because, you know, maybe we do look for a safety this year. So we'll see how this all goes. For the Senior Bowl, I will be watching. I don't typically want to live tweet during this just because I want to really focus on my, my watching the game, watching the players. Um... And, of course, after that, on Sunday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, we have the Pro Bowl in Orlando. 12 Ravens playing. Of course, 13 were, were asked to go. You know, um, Marcus Peters turned it down, whatever. Um, Harbaugh will be coaching against Pete Carroll. Um, so that should be interesting. You know, I, I really don't like to watch the Pro Bowl, to be honest with you. It's, it's really kind of lame. But I will watch it just because the Ravens are in it. If the Ravens are in it, I'm going to watch it. If there's ever a year the Ravens aren't in it, I probably won't watch it. Um so that's 3 p.m. on Sunday. Let me know if you're going to watch the Pro Bowl. Tweet at me during the Pro Bowl because I'll be tweeting during that probably. And finally, I want to end with maybe it's going to be a recurring segment, maybe not, but it's I'm calling it the Yonda Watch. Has Yonda, Marshall Yonda, made a decision to come back with the Baltimore Ravens next year? The answer this week is no. So tune in next week, and we will tell you whether or not Yonda has made his decision yet. And the minute he makes his decision there will probably be an article published very quickly on BaltimoreFeather.com. And that's why you should sign up for the Baltimore Feather email news list. Um, get the latest Ravens articles in your inbox, Ravens news, podcasts, everything in your inbox ready to go as it happens. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you are listening to it, Radio Public, Overcast, Player.fm, wherever. It doesn't matter to me. Um, Make sure you find us on Twitter at BeMoreFeather or at Nestalk, or you can find me personally at Chris Linfont. Find us on Facebook and like us and follow us there. Search up Baltimore Feather or Nest Talk. We will be back next week with our special guest. I hope you will enjoy that. Stay tuned for my announcement on that. We'll probably be recording on Thursday, actually, for that one specifically, which is why I've been thinking about, you know, it occurred to me maybe a Thursday night recording would be better for all episodes moving forward, but we'll talk about that um, and, and figure out what we want to do in the future. So, yeah, this is Chris Linfont signing out for Nest Talk, episode 62. Tune in next week for a special guest, Super Bowl preview, and, of course, awards preview, and a whole lot of other things. It'll be a great time. See you next week. Again, this is Christopher Linfont for the Baltimore Feather and Nest Talk signing out. Have a great weekend, everybody. Birdland Sports. For fans, by fans. Find more great shows like this at birdlandsports.com.